Hello, good day, and welcome to today's Spin Dicks podcast show. In today's episode, we are going to be looking at a book review on the book called The Introvert Advantage. And the subtitle is How to Thrive in an Extrovert World. This book is written by Martin Olsen Lanny. And um, this is what we're going to be covering today. So let us sit back and have a read through. In this book, we are going to be looking at chapter one. And I'm going to start reading now. Chapter one. What's an innie? Are you one? The exception that proves the rule. That's a proverb. Introversion is at its root a type of temperament. It is not the same as shyness or having a withdrawn personality. It is not pathological. It is also not something you can change, but you can learn to work with it, not against it. The strongest dis distinguishing characteristics of introverts is their energy source. Introverts draw energy from their internal world of ideas, emotions, and impressions. They are energy conservers. They can be easily overstimulated by the external world, experiencing the uncomfortable feeling of too much. This can feel like antithesis or torpor. In either case, they need to limit their social experiences so they cannot get grained. However, introverts need to balance their alone time with outside time, or they can lose other perspectives and connections. Introverted people who balance their energy have perseverance and the ability to think independently, focus deeply, and work creatively. What are the most obvious characteristics of extroverts? They are energized by external world, by activities, people, places, and things. They are energy spenders, long periods of hanging out, internal contemplation, or being alone, or with just one another person underestimate them. However, extroverts need to balance their time doing with intervals of just being, or they can lose themselves in a whirlwind of anxious activities. Extroverts offer much to our society. They express themselves easily, they concentrate on results, and they enjoy crowds and action. Introverts are like a rechargeable battery. They need to stop expending energy and rest in order to recharge. This is what a less stimulating environment provides for introverts. It restores energy, it is their natural niche. Extroverts are like solar panels. For extroverts, being alone or inside is like living under a heavy cloud cover. Solar panels need the sun to recharge. Extroverts need to be out and about to refuel. Like introversion, extroversion is a hardwired temperament. It cannot be changed. You can learn to work with it, not against it. 
And now, the subtopic, the main difference between innies and outers. And it says, appreciate your uniqueness. This is by Captain Kangaroo. Energy creation is the most salient difference between introverts and extroverts. But there are two other primary differences. Their response to simulation and their approach to knowledge and experience. Extroverts thrive on a variety of stimuli, whereas introverts can find it too much. Similarly, Audis generally cast a wide net when it comes to accruing knowledge and experience, whereas Inis like a narrower, more in-depth focus. Another topic says refueling. Let's talk a little more about energy. As I said earlier, the primary difference between introverts and extroverts is how they recharge their batteries. Extroverts are energized by the outer world. Most extroverts like talking to people, engaging in activities outside of themselves, and walking around people, activities, and things. Contrary to most of our perceptions about extroverts, however, they are not necessarily more outgoing or lively than an introvert, but their focus is outside themselves. Extroverts spend energy freely and often have trouble slowing down. They can refresh themselves easily by doing something in the outer world, especially since there is so much to choose from today. Extroverts may experience loneliness and feeling of being drained when they are not in contact with people or the outside world. They may be the ones who are raring to go after a party asking what shall we do next. Often the harder part of them is relaxing and giving their bodies a rest. Introverts on the other side are energized by internal world, by ideas, impressions and emotions. Counter to our stereotypes of introverts, they are not necessarily quiet or withdrawn, but their focus is inside their head. They need a quiet, reflective place where they can think things through and recharge themselves. Phew! It was great to catch up with Bill, but I'm so glad the party is over. They say with relief. Creating energy isn't so easy for introverts especially in today's fast-paced world. It takes more time for introverts to restore energy and it flows out faster than extroverts' energy. Introverts need to calculate how much energy something will take, how much they need to conserve and plan accordingly. For example, the day before she goes out for a hectic day of driving from sales calls to sales call in Los Angeles, my client Sandra, a saleswoman who works from home, sets aside a quiet day doing paperwork with few outside interruptions. She goes to bed early and eats a good breakfast before she hits the road. Throughout the day, she schedules breaks where she can be alone and revive herself. In this way, she plans for her energy needs so she won't be depleted. And then another topic here that says stimulation, friend or foe. The second difference between introvert and extrovert 
is how they experience external stimulation. Extroverts like to experience a lot and introverts like to know a lot about what they experience. For introverts who have a high level of internal activity, anything coming from the outside raises their intensity level index quickly. It's kind of like being tickled. The sensation goes from feeling good and fun to too much and uncomfortable in a split second. Introverts, often without realizing why, attempt to regulate experiences of overstimulation through limiting external input. My client, Catherine, wants to plant a garden in her backyard. She's a teacher and her job requires most of her focus and energy. New to gardening, she sits down to read the basic book of weekend gardening. As she reads, the scope of the project slowly dawns on her. She will need to learn about shade plants, soil pH, mulching, watering, insect control, and sun exposure. She foresees the complexity and energy requirement involved in going to the nursery and picking out plants in the glaring sun. So many choices to sort through. She thinks of the time it will take to prepare the soil, plant the plants, weep the space, massacre insects, chase away snails, and water every day. Her feeling of enjoyment is receding. There's so much to know and so much to do that she begins to feel as if it will be too much. Her head is swirling and she feels overwhelmed. She decides she will limit her garden to a smaller piece of her yard. Introverts enjoy complexity when they can focus on one or two areas without pressure. But if they have too many projects, they easily feel overwhelmed. In later chapters, I will discuss ways to manage the experience of overstimulation. Just being around people can be overstimulating to introverts. The energy is drained in crowds, classes, or any noisy and invasive environment. They may like people very much, but after talking to anyone, they usually begin to feel the need to move away, take a break, and get some air. This is the reason for a mind vapor lock experience I mentioned earlier. When overstimulated, the introvert's mind can shut down, saying, no more input, please. It goes dark. Extroverts need breaks, too, but different reasons. If they go to the library, they can spend only a short time in the study mode, an internal process, before they need to take a walk around the stacks, head to the vending machines, or talk with the librarian. They like a lively environment where the action is. Extroverts itch for refueling the more they feel understimulated inside. But just as the brakes can increase extrovert stimulation, brakes can decrease introvert stimulation. When inies are studying, for example, they may be taking in so much information that it becomes overwhelming as was the case with Catherine planning her garden. Now here's another one that says, how deep is the ocean? How wide is the sky? The third way extroverts and introverts are different involves the concepts of breadth and depth. By and large, extroverts like breadth. Lots of friends and experiences, knowing a little bit about everything, 
being a generalist. What they take in from the outside environment does not generally expand entirely as they process the experience. They are on to the next experience as an outy friend told me. I love to flit around a party and just catch the highlights from each conversation. She doesn't like to miss out on anything. For extroverts, life is about collecting experiences. Extroverts view the world as an extensive Sunday brunch. They can graze at the banquet and fill on all sorts of tasty treats, leaving when they are full to bursting. They want to wring every drop of stimulation they can from life. Variety is stimulating and energizing. Introverts like depth and will limit their experiences but feel each of them deeply. Often, they have fewer friends, but more intimacy. They like to delve deeply into topics and look for richness, more than muchness. This is why it's necessary to limit their topics to one or two, or they can become overwhelmed. Their mind absorbs information from the outside environment and then reflects on it and expands it. And long after, long after they have taken in the information, they are still munching and crunching it. A little like cows chewing their cud. How would anyone other than an introvert have had that patience to study the mating patterns of South African fly? This is also why introverts resent being interrupted, as I'll discuss later. It's difficult to pull themselves up and out of deep well of concentration and regaining the concentration takes lots of extra energy that they often don't have and here is another one that says different strokes for different folks a good example of these differences between introverts and extroverts is how my husband mike and i decide on our vacations as I've mentioned, Mike is an extrovert and I am an introvert. We don't agree on what constitutes a, a fun, satisfying vacation at all. Our favorite ways on holiday are quite opposite. We take turns choosing our destination. One year, I pick, the next year, he picks. The year after, Mike picked a nine countries in nine days, vacation. I picked a vacation which did nothing but explore the historic mining area of Leadville, Colorado. Sitting by the fire at the hotel and first afternoon, we read the Chamber of Commerce's one-page flyer. What to see in Leadville? My stomach was tingling with excitement. Mike had dozed off. Ever since I saw the movie Unsinkable Molly Brown, I have wanted to see where the Horace Tower discovered silver. Leadville has the Tower Opera House and the Heritage Museum, the National Mining Hall of Fame and the Matchless Mine Museum, not to mention the Leadville Railroad and the tours of the actual mines. Who could ask for anything more? Mike said. Looks like we'll be done seeing Leadville by 2 tomorrow afternoon. What are we going to do after that? I had planned to take in one attraction per day. I wanted to get a feel for how the miners lived a century ago. Mike said, look, 
We are only 59 miles from Aspen. We can drive there tomorrow afternoon. Whoa, Nelly, I said. Whose vacation pick is this anyway? Leadville was really one of the favorite vacations. I had gladly endured years of teasing from Mike about the four days in Colorado that seemed like four years to me. Well, aren't you lucky, I say. It's not everyone who gets their sense of time expanded, especially when they're on vacation. Carl Jones, Origula, Ini, and Outie. The pendulum of the mind oscillates between sense and nonsense, not between right and wrong. This is by Carl Jung. In the early 1900s, psychoanalyst Carl Jung was working with Sigmund Freud and Alfred Adler, two other Panerarian psychoanalytic theorists, when he noticed something puzzling. When Freud and Adler discussed the same case histories of patients, they focused on very different information. They also had developed almost opposite theories. Young thought they had both captured something valuable. Young gave it some thought. Guess which Young was? An introvert or an extrovert? And developed his own theory. Young thought Freud was extroverted because his personal orientation was outward toward the world of people, places, and things. Many of Freud's theory were developed in conjunction with extensive correspondence and discussions with numerous colleagues. Freud believed that the goal of psychological development was to find gratification in the world of external reality. Jung thought Adler was introverted since his theory and focus were inward towards one's own thoughts and feelings. Adler's theories were based on the internal struggle to overcome the feeling of helplessness expressed in his term, inferiority complex. He saw people as creative artists shaping their own lives. Field's theoretical differences with Adler and Young ended in bitterness. The three parted company and each went his own way. At that point, Freud began to use the concept of introversion as a negative implying a turning inward away from the world in his writing about narcissism. This shifted the evolution of the concept of introversion away from healthy and towards the unhealthy, a misconception that remains to this day. Young continued to develop his theory and surmised that we are born with a temperament endowed that locates us somewhere on the continuum between very introverted and very extroverted. He believed that there was a psychological foundation for these dispositions. Science is now finding his intuition was right. He realized we could adapt best in the world if we could move easily on the continuum introverting and extroverting we needed. However, he recognized that humans don't seem to work that way. We are oriented or pulled in one direction more than the other. He concluded that we all have the natural niche where we function best. 
Young also thought that, apart from either extreme, any place on the continuum is healthy. Young believed that it is harmful to push a child outside of the natural range of his or her temperament, thinking this would violate the individual's innate disposition. In fact, he thought this was the cause of some mental illness. However, he pointed out that the other aspects of continuum are still available to us. Our ability to move on the continuum can improve with our awareness of the process. For example, you can learn to store up energy and thereby have a reserve to enable you to use your less natural side. Think about writing all day with your less dominant hand. You could do it, but you would use more exertion and concentration to focus. Young thought this was what it is like to function outside your natural niche. You can do it, but it will consume extra energy without creating any new energy. And now we go to another one that says, are you an introvert? To see what is in front of one's nose requires a constant struggle. This is by George Orwell. Now the author goes through a section of texts here which is more about taking a quiz or a self-assessment on whether or not you're an introvert or an extrovert and this assessment will not be um, relevant for this particular talk. So we are going to be skipping this section and we will obviously move on to the next one. And the next one says, innies and outies are both valuable. It takes all sorts to make a world. And that's a proverb. For Young, the goal of a well-lived life was attained by a wholeness. Wholeness doesn't mean having all parts but achieving harmony through knowing and valuing your own personal strengths and weaknesses. As I have discussed, Young thought of all positions on the introvert-extrovert continuum as healthy and necessary. While some of us are more innately extroverted or more innately introverted, everyone has a natural resting point where he or she can gain energy and expend less energy. As we age, most of us move closer to the center of the IE continuum, but we need the strength of each type of temperament to balance the world. Throughout the book, we'll be highlighting and discussing the advantages of and the hidden strengths of introverts. Extroverts have received lots of good press all their lives. I won't be balancing every strength of an introvert with the strength of an extrovert. In fact, I will be focusing on how the advantages of introverts help to complement the limitations of extroverts. Each temperament supp supplies strengths where the other has constraints. Remember, all humans have many facets. Introversion and extroversion are not the only qualities that have been separated into good or bad. It appears to be a human foible to divide ourselves into good and bad paths. For instance, in 1995, Dr. Daniel Goleman came out with this groundbreaking book, Emotional Intelligence. Until then, intelligence was thought of uh, in terms of rational thinking. Emotions were thought of as irrational and less valuable. Humans were divided into the head and the heart. However, we all realize that some people are highly intelligent, yet they seem to have little common sense or compassion for other people. 
Other people have great empathy and wisdom, yet they may not be so intellectual. Dr. Goldman asks this question, how can we bring intelligence to our emotions and civility to our streets and care into our communal life? We need the head and the heart. It's obvious we need to learn from people with opposite talents. Our society benefits from all facets of humanity. In the following chapters, I will focus on the advantages introverts have to offer. We bring important attributes to the party. The ability to focus deeply and understanding of how a change will affect everyone involved. The capacity to observe. A propensity for thinking outside the box the strength to make unpopular decisions and the potential to slow the world down a notch. Of course, introverts would like to just drop these qualities off at a party and then skedaddle on home. And then some key points to ponder on is that introverts are different and it's okay. And um, also, Innies like um, to um, be like people. The world needs introverts with their unique and precious qualities. So these are the topic for today regarding introversion and extroversion and the book that we are covering once again I'm just gonna give you um, uh, a description of the book. It's called The Introvert Advantage. How to Thrive in an Extrovert World. So this is where we're going to be ending for today's episode. Thank you for listening, listeners. Have a lovely day and goodbye.